This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Mario. I want to say uh, welcome to you. So glad uh, that you're here today. Uh, how are we doing? We doing okay? Awake? Alive? Well? Yeah? Yeah? Perfect. Okay. So we got, so we have, he's not quite dead yet. I think that's uh, Monty Python. Is that right? No. Yes. So it is, it's a good day. I'm, I'm, uh, I am just, I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to be able to share with you this morning. So buckle up. Okay. Okay. All right. There we go. We got some, I hope you guys are awake in life. So this um, is a Twix. Yes. The most and best, greatest mass-produced of all candy bars. It has milk chocolate on the outside with this little, like, little crispy thing inside and a nice little caramel, or is it caramel? Do we know? Is there caramel? Is there a difference between caramel and caramel? (laughs) There was a a debate about this at the 9 o'clock, so I wasn't sure. Okay, so it has caramel. And it's it just, it's, it's, it's the only difficult thing about it, there's only two in the package, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's like 20, it comes in a gold, I mean, it just lets you know how majestic it is. It comes in gold. It's just letting you know, like, this is the creme de la creme, the creme de la creme of mass-produced candy bars. So, so here's the deal. I'm not sure why somebody would take something like this and say, hey, maybe we should make a different version of it. Like, why would you do that? Like, I don't know if you know these things exist, but did you know that there is this thing right here called the Twix salted caramel? Did you know this? I didn't know this. Okay, somebody said it's good. There's the Twix cookies and cream. There's the Twix ice cream bar. And then there's the Twix cookie dough. Did you know that? That was the thing. It's like, why? Like, why would you do that to something that is already so good? Like, why would you mess with it? It already tastes good in the original form. Why would you change it up? And you know, we, we, all, we all have sorts of things that we feel like these, this is the thing. This is my go-to. This is the original. I mean, here's the deal. Nothing beats the original Twix. It's like trying to make a sequel of The Lord of the Rings. Like, you can't do that, right? Like, you can try to make it better but there's just nothing better. There's just an original that's made and you need to stick to the original. I mean, some of you, you feel that way about your coffee, yes? B- black, black coffee drinkers, any black coffee drinkers? Oh my goodness, there's a ton of you out there. Yeah, like you people, like you just take the grounds, stick it in your mouth and just, like that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Like that's true coffee. None of that frou-frou stuff, right? You know, you take it the way it's supposed to be, right? So that's you. Some of you, it's like you find the perfect shoe and you're like, this is the shoe that was meant, it was dropped down by the Lord, and this is the shoe that I'm supposed to have. Some of you, it's your dog and the, the breed of your dog, like this is the original. Don't try to mess with the dog by adding a bunch of different things to it. This breed of the dog is the breed. Some of you, it's your classic car, like that was the year that it came out, that's the one that's perfect for you. Don't try, why would you improve the, that, that model of car, right? I mean, that's the way you think about it. Some of you, it's the original video game. I mean, it's like the original one came out. Why would you try to make a different one? Tech Mobile, anybody? Okay, I'm on an island. All right. So, so I'm just saying, there's the original. Why would you make a better one? 
Why is Mario talking about Twix bars? Because we're in a series called No Other Gospel. And over these past few weeks, we've been looking in our Bibles at the book of Galatians. And in this book of Galatians, what we find is that Paul is in a spot where he is trying to help these people of Galatia come to understand what it means to live out and and lean on this one thing called the gospel. How do they live that out in the circumstances that they live in? Because there was all sorts of things coming towards the Galatians, and we'll be unpacking that this morning. And so you see, um, we've got to get this figured out because in many ways, we're, we're like the Galatians. And when we find ourselves being pulled away and confused by all the different teachings that come our way, we're going to find ourselves in some really difficult places. I don't know if you know this, but there are all sorts of teachings that are coming our way, the latest and greatest religious teachings. Some of them come in your schools. Some of them come in your boardrooms. Some of them come, sadly, in other church buildings, different versions of the gospel. And if we don't know how to live in the midst of that, if we don't know what the true gospel is, what the actual gospel is, we'll end up just like the person. I love the way that James talks about this. James says it in this way. He says, a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. There's this instability that takes place. And the thing is, is that as a pastoral staff, we want better for you. Like, we want you to be stable in the midst of all that's going on in this world. And it's not just that we want that for you. Your, your husband wants that for you. Your, your wife wants that for you. Your kids need that for you. For you to be the man or woman of God that you've been created to be and to not be blown and tossed by every wind of teaching that comes your way. And so that's why we're in this series, is to recognize that there's something that, that the Galatians face that we need to recognize are st- we're still facing today. Even in the midst of all the opposition that comes, I believe that you can live out this life that Christ has called you to live. And I don't just say that just because it's, it sounds really nice. I say I believe that for you because I've seen it done, and we see it done. We saw it done if you happen to be reading through the book of Galatians. Because they found themselves in the very same spot where there was just all of this confusion that was coming their way. Many different forms of teaching. And even as it was presented to them, the different forms of teaching, yet they did have their difficult moments. These Galatians did. In fact, things became so tough for them at some moment, Paul, Paul asked a, a central question to them. In verse four, uh, 15 in chapter 4, if you want to open up your Bibles to, to Galatians chapter 4 or get there on your phone or whatever, that's where we'll be sitting today. But Paul asked an interesting question. He says, where is that joyful and grateful spirit that you felt then? That's what he asked the Galatians. Where's that joyful and grateful spirit that you felt then? You see, there was a time when the Galatians had received Paul with joy. So here's, here's how this works. Paul would, leave, Paul would go on a missionary journey. He would go to a place, and once he established and, and helped people know about the gospel, he would, they would settle in, he'd spend some time with them, the gospel would be preached, that spot would say, like, yeah, we believe in Jesus. And he'd say, okay, great, since you do, I'm raising up some leaders and I'm headed someplace else. And so he would head to another spot and start preaching the gospel there as well. Well, what would happen is that after Paul left, these other people would start to come in. 
And as they came in, they had these other teachings that they would bring to the places that Paul had spoken about. And so these people would start to have questions, a word would get out, and a letter would be written to Paul, and Paul would find himself writing back to these people about the circumstances that they're experiencing. And that's where the book of Galatians finds itself being, being nested. And so Paul is, is asking this question as he's writing back to him, going like, what, what happened to your joy? Like, you guys, when I first came, you received me with open arms. Even though I wasn't even feeling well, you just embraced me and you embraced the gospel. And it was just so awesome. What, what happened to your joy? It reminds me of, of what Jesus says to the church of Ephesus later on in Revelation. He says something kind of similar. And as I heard that, this is what came to mind. It says this in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. It says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. You see, I wonder this morning if any of us have found ourselves in a spot where we are not in the same spot where we used to be when we first came to know Jesus. I wonder if anybody else finds themselves confused, overwhelmed, maybe even joyless this morning. See, life can do that. Life can come our way, and as a result, we find ourselves in a spot where we can start off strong, but we just, something starts to happen. And maybe you've just been following Jesus for just a moment, and all of a sudden, this, this odd version of teaching comes in, and as a result, you find yourself confused. Or maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, but there's just the stuff of life that comes in, the stuff that you take into your world, into your heart, into your soul, into your mind, so much so that there's just this drift And this drifting leads you to a spot where you're no longer fully devoted to Christ. Do you know that that is what Paul longed for every believer? That, that his heartbeat, he, he longed so much for anybody who would call themselves a follower of Jesus to be fully devoted, not just like halfway in, but completely in. I want you to listen to the language that Paul says in, in verse 19. He says, oh, my dear children. I feel, and listen to the language, I feel as though I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is, and would you say this with me, until Christ is fully developed in your lives. If you want to know what Paul's endgame was for the Galatians, for the Ephesians, for the Colossians, for anybody that's a believer, it's that right there that you would be mature and complete, not lacking anything as a believer. He wants you to see you be fully developed in your lives, not just in this physical world, but spiritually, that there would be something so deeply mature in you. That's what he longs for. He says, it's like I'm in labor pains. That's how deep this goes for him. But the Galatians found themselves so confused as other influences started to come their way. And it, it can happen. In fact, there's this guy named Andrew Knowles, and he writes about the experience that the Galatians had. He said this, When the gospel is first preached or was first preached to them, various people try to oppose or adjust that gospel. For instance, there were Jewish legalists who tried to add their laws. There were Gentile mystics who tried to add their secrets. There was the constant threat of suppression by a government or persecution by an enemy. There were pagans arguing over Christian morality 
whether the gospel means free sex for all or no sex at all. Any of that sound familiar? Well, if not, let me help you this morning. I want to connect the dots from Galatians to us. You see, we talk about the idea that at least this guy, Andrew, talks about the idea that there were Jewish legalists. Well, today, we still have faith communities that require people to believe many extra unbiblical and heavy-handed doctrines to be a part of their church. You see, our heartbeat as Gateway, and I so appreciate uh, Tom talking about this last week, is that we would continue to check what it is that we believe, that we would put it up against the Scripture and say, is this true? Is this real? Is this worth hanging on to or is it not? And so we come to a spot which we say that these are the things we hold on to and everything else we're going to hold open-handed. There's other churches, other faith communities that find themselves so embedded in some of these other things that all of these laws now become a part of what it means to be a part of that faith community. And what ends up happening so often, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but I'm going to keep harping on it because it, it's destroying a generation that's coming up, is that there is no room to ask questions. There is no room to doubt. And when there's no room to ask questions, when there's no room to challenge um, the, the thoughts or challenge the doctrine or challenge the theology, it ends up setting up the situation where you have to rely on all the legalities in order to be following Christ. And it ends up being that instead of Jesus and the gospel being the focus, what ends up happening is that the pastor and the church leadership end up being the focus. See, this can happen in small churches where the pastor insulates the congregation from any outside thought. Somebody asks a question like, you can't ask that question here can't do that. When that happens, that's a problem. But it can also happen in larger churches. You see, what this looks like so often is that a pastor who's super charismatic in their ability, they they end up becoming the focus of the church. They become the focus of the ministry. And once you're hooked on that charisma, you will follow all sorts of crazy things because they got you hooked with their eloquent words. Unfortunately, we've seen in recent days some of this stuff has hit the news of churches who, who the rise and the fall of them, churches who had these amazing pastors who could speak so well, and they had truth that they were actually speaking, but they were also dragging with them so many other legalities that people find themselves caught up in. And once something happened to them, the church ends up being destroyed. It's confusing when people bring those things to the gospel. And when that happens, I will say that that's another gospel. It's not the only gospel. It's not the one true gospel. And if you find yourself in a place, and some of you, you've actually come from churches like that. In fact, that's what what brought you to this place. Again, not that we have it perfect. We're still figuring it out. But you said, like, there's something different because there is at least a freedom to have the conversation here. If you find yourself in that place or you're listening to somebody like that online, I'm telling you, stay away from it. It's another gospel, and it will destroy your walk with Christ. The Galatians also found themselves coming up against these Gentile mystics, but in our day, they used to add their secrets. But instead of that, what we find ourselves up against today is something called progressive Christianity. You may have heard us talk about it before, but if you're here for the first time, there's so much that could be said about it, so many things that could be said about it. 
But I'll simply say this. If you find that the teaching that you're taking in has a whole lot more focus on self and how you can become just simply a better person than it is about who Jesus Christ is and what he's done in your life, that you need to be saved by grace through faith in Christ, I'm telling you, you are listening to the wrong kind of gospel. There's no need to add on this idea that you can somehow be self-fulfilling of your own, your own life. When that happens, you find yourself in trouble. But, I mean, isn't it nice to hear that, that you're just a good person? I mean, it, it feels good, doesn't it? I mean, come on. And it's so much easier to get up here and just say, like, you guys are all just fine. You just keep doing the nice, right things, and everything will be okay. That would be a lot easier to say, and it would feel really good. It would make our job a whole lot easier. But you have to be careful. There's, a, there's a, a, an apologist, his name is Frank Turek, and he reflects on this whole idea. He says this, he says, Atheist Frederick Nietzsche says these words, a man's spirit is determined by how much truth he can tolerate. Let that sink in for a minute. He goes on to say, he says, you know, a person's truth, so let's just kind of broaden this out. A person's spirit is determined by how much truth that person can tolerate. How much truth can you tolerate, he asks. I think a lot of times, he says, we want to suppress the truth because we don't want to hear any flaws we might have or we don't want anybody interfering with our autonomy. We want to believe what we want to believe. And that seems to be going on in our culture right now. People don't want the truth. They want to suppress the truth. Again, when the gospel you're hearing seems to be focused more on yourself instead of Jesus and your need for his grace, I'm telling you, it's another gospel. Stay away from it. It might sound good, but don't take it in. Some of you, you'll be graduating, and as you go to different schools, different colleges, you might find yourself going to different churches. Put on antennas and listen. What's coming in? What is it that they're saying? You got to pay attention because it can sound so good. But more than it just sounding good, it's got to be the gospel that, that Jesus talks about. It's got to be his word. And so the last two here. That, we, that this guy brings up. Those, these are a little bit simpler to, to kind of understand. The last two are this. Instead of there being a constant threat of suppression by a government or persecution by an enemy, which is what he says, we are currently only dealing with a constant threat of suppression by a government. We're experiencing that. But what I will say is that may you be ready because their persecution will come. If we're reading the scriptures correctly, we know that things will get more difficult as time goes on. And my questioning is, are you preparing yourself for that reality? Are you preparing yourself? Days will get darker. Things will get harder. Are you preparing yourself for that now? How did we do that, morning? Well, we'll be talking about that in a little bit. But that's just the reality of the situation. And that's what the Galatians were experiencing, governmental suppression that was going on, persecution that was going on. They also experienced this. And so instead of pagans arguing over Christian morality, whether the gospel means free sex for all or no sex at all, what we experience is pagans arguing over Christian morality, whether the that means the gospel means free sex for all or no sex for all. 
you might notice that they're the same. (laughs) You see, the deal is, we are experiencing some of the very same things that the people in Galatia did. And so if you've been kind of taking your Bible and going like, how does this book that was written so long ago, how did it apply to me? I'm saying this is how it applies. It's almost a one-to-one. The very same things that the Galatians were experiencing, we experience today. And so as you open up the scriptures, you can start to see, oh, that's what they went through. How is it that they responded? What was the response in the midst of all of that? Because that's what they experienced. This is what we experienced. What do we do in all of this? What was Paul's message? How did he respond? Well, I'll simply say this. It was really simple what we see in in, in chapter 4. Paul's response is this. Remember the gospel and remember who you are. If you want to know how to overcome all these different voices, all these different teachers coming into your life, then you've got to remember the true gospel and you've got to remember who you are. This is what Paul does in chapter 4. If you want to open up your Bible to chapter 4, verse 1, this is what it says. He says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than the slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. And listen to this phrase, because it's one of my favorites. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. So what's Paul's response in the midst of all of this? Like, remember the gospel. See, Paul helps them see that in the same way that children had to obey the guardian until they reached the right right age, Paul and the Galatians were like children who had to obey the whole law until Christ came. Last week, Tom put up a slide of, of 613 laws, and there was a sense of like, how can anybody fulfill any of those? And that was what they lived under. And Paul's saying, like, that was what was in place until Christ came. Once Christ came, it changed everything. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves so that he could adopt us into his very own family. God sent Jesus to buy freedom for the Galatians and for us who were slaves. And what a beautiful picture that is. That's the summary of God's role in the gospel. He sent his son to buy freedom for us who are in slavery. And now the question is, what do you do in that? How do you respond in light of God's work, God's role? You have a role to play as well. And you have one or two choices. Either you accept what God has done for you and choose to enter into his family, or you say, you know what? I think I'm going to be able to figure out the spiritual bondage on my own. Those are really your two options. And if you choose a second, I'm saying that's a difficult road, isn't it? I mean, you're living it out right now. How's that working for you? I know that for myself and for everybody that Paul's speaking about, he said that doesn't work really well. It doesn't work at all. We need a Savior. 
You see, we can say it in different ways, but it's really simple. It is that God is the one who invites us into his kingdom and humanity's role is to accept what Jesus has done by actively trusting in him. If you don't know him this morning, that's the choice that sits before you. Will you choose to trust? Will you choose to say yes to him? Will you receive this invitation that God is giving to you to be a part of this family? But for many of us, and probably even most of us, you said yes to Jesus, right? You said yes, like I believe in Jesus, I've accepted, into, accepted him into my heart and into my life, and so I'm living this out. So what does Galatians have to say to me then? Well, what I would say that Paul has to say to you is to remember who you are. Remember who God has created you to be. Paul, over and over again, he can't get through the book of Galatians without reminding the people, this is who you're meant to be. This is who you're called to be. In verse 6, he says, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. Do you recognize that this morning? When you said yes to Jesus, God placed his spirit within you prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but you are God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Some of us need to be, need to be reminded of that this morning. The Spirit of Christ lives within you. How does that go about changing the way that you relate with the people around you? The spirit of Christ lives within you. How does that go about the way that you treat your spouse? The spirit of Christ lives within you. How does that go about the way you treat your neighbor, the people that you talk to, the way you respond to the circumstances that you see on whatever media that you take in what's going on in the world? How should that change the way that you respond? The spirit of Christ lives within you. I don't know about you, but that reality is something I forget so often. I need reminders over and over again. I believe the Galatians need reminders over and over again. And if we happen to be humans, we probably need those reminders over and over again. The very God, and Jason talked about this as, as we were singing, that the very God, creator of heaven and earth, that's the one that we worship. He is for you. I love that we sang that. He is for you. He is for you. Can we be reminded of that this morning? Paul, later on, he ends the chapter by saying, Dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free one. That's who you are. You're free. You're free to live, free to have meaning, free to have purpose. You are free to live the way that Christ created you to be. Would you live in the freedom that Christ bought for you when he set you free? You are free to live. Would you remember that? You're like, so, so well, how do I live that out each day? Like, well, okay, thank you, but, but how do I live that out each day? How do I get there? And I just want to encourage you with this. We need reminders. We need constant reminders. And so if you haven't, I encourage you to start feeding yourself. Or if you do, continue to feed yourself with the resources that will help you know how to think and interpret biblically. I mean, I, NBA finals, oh, this is a good season. This is, this is one of my favorite times of the year. I mean, my boys can attest. I get home and it's just like, I'm checking out. 
<laughs> I'm watching. I'm checking. I'm watching the games as they're going on. I love this time of the season. But as much as this is good, well, except for the fact that the Celtics lost, and I'm still grieving over that. There's a, there's a grieving process, but that's that's my thing. But here's the deal. That can't be the only thing that we take in. We need other things that we're receiving as well. We've got to be able to take in people, men and women, who are thinking biblically that help us know how to navigate these times. And I'm just offering a few of them, one, some that have just come to the forefront for me, and I encourage you to, to take them in, uh, whether it's podcast or go to their website, whatever way you to do it. The Humble Skeptic is one of them, um, and it's by Shane, Shane Rose. I love what he's doing, the work that he's doing, talking about what it means to be a person of faith and what role faith plays in our lives. Alicia Childers, if you haven't heard of her, oh, you talk about somebody who's going to talk about progressive Christianity. Uh, she, she challenges that well. Uh, Cross-examined is done by a guy named Frank Turek, somebody who I, I uh, talked about earlier. He wrote a book that is so good. It's called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. It's a real great play on words. I would encourage you, read it. Listen to what it is that he has to say. Stand to Reason is another spot that I would encourage you to take in some of this teaching that these people are bringing your way because these are apologists that are sitting there thinking about what does it mean to stay biblically rooted in these difficult times. You might have others, but I would encourage you to invite you to ask the question, are these men and women people who are grounded and rooted in the faith? And if they are, continue to take it in, continue to absorb that stuff, continue to soak in it because there's so many other voices that, that will be coming your way. So we've got to be in a spot where we're taking in truth constantly, often, I would say always. The second thing is this. The other way that I'd say we need to be reminded is by being discipled. By being discipled. You know, uh, I'll say that one of the things that has just made such a huge difference in my life is having men and women, and but primarily there's been some men in my life who have just continued to speak truth over me. Moments where things are difficult and things are just confusing for me, to be able to just be able to ask somebody who's walked down the road a little bit further and say, like, how did you deal with this? To sit with somebody and allow them to just challenge, like, Mario, is the Spirit of God at work within you? To have friends that are going along the same part of life going like, yeah, this parenting thing is tough. We need people in our lives that we can journey with. You know, I wonder, for so many of us, I don't believe that, let me say it this way. For many of us, our experience of coming to know Christ is we came to know Christ and then we had to figure it out on our own. And I would say that there's a better way. We were meant to live out life in community. We were meant to have those that are older than us in the faith, whether that means they are actually um, physically older or spiritually older, to help us walk along. And so one of the things that I, I've noticed as of late is that um, I've been, been blessed by having some amazing men speaking into my life the people that I found myself speaking into as of late have been people that have been coming to me um, and they don't go to Gateway. People have asked like, hey, Mario, would you invest in me? Like, would you disciple me? I'm like, well, I'm sure, I'd be happy to. And as I was just kind of just pulling back and going like, okay, Mario, what's the kind of trajectory of your life? Like what's happening in your world? 
I just like the question came like, why is it that I have people in my life that that don't go to Gateway that I'm investing in, and yet there's all these wonderful people around me that I don't get the opportunity to have one-on-one with. I would much rather be investing in the lives of people at Gateway. Not that those are wrong to be doing from other places, but you're my local family, right? I think part of it was just because of relationship. Like they know like, hey, I can ask Mario for this, for this favor. Which made me wonder like, do, do people know that, that, do you know that you can actually reach out and ask to be discipled by myself or another person? Did you know that there are men that if you ask them, hey, would you disciple me, that they would say yes? Did you know that? Ladies, did you know that there are people who have walked further down the road that you said like, I'm just struggling. And they would say, yeah, I'd love to come alongside of you. In fact, there's people in this room that are just like, I'm just, I'm twiddling my thumbs all day hoping that there will be somebody to invest in. I just haven't found anybody as of yet. And I'm thinking like, what if we changed that here? So, so at least on a real practical level, um, something that I plan on doing this summer is just opening up my schedule and saying like, hey guys, if, if you want to be a disciple, I don't have all the details. I don't know how it's all going to work. I just know, like, I'd love to spend an hour with you. And let's just have the conversation about how you can be disciples so that you can disciple others. I would love to have that conversation with you. I would love to sit down with you, meet weekly, whatever it might be, to help you be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Because at the end of the day, that's what really matters. Um, so this summer, I'm just changing up my schedule. And I'm going to be as available as I possibly can, as much as my wife will let me. Um, there's some limitations. <laughs> but, but I want to be as available as I can. So if that's you, and you're saying, you know what, I'm not connected any place. I, I, I do want to grow this summer. I do want to just sacrifice. I know it's a sacrifice of time. I know that it's summer, so schedules kind of get crazy and life happens. I know I'm, I plan on being gone sometimes too. But I would love to just have that conversation with you. I would love to meet with you. And so if that's you, you text the word SUMMER to 360-209-8040. I'd love to get back with you. And we can talk about what it looks like to meet one-on-one, two of us together, three of us together, and just start this journey together. Because as I said at the beginning, this world needs you to be the man of God that God has created you to be. Your family needs you to lead as a man of God the way that you were created to be. Your friends need you to step up and show this is what it means to be a follower of Christ in this world that's so dark. We need each other. So let's do that this summer. Let's make a difference. Let's grow in our walk with Christ with intentionality. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to prepare to close. as I pray, I just want to pray for some of us. I, I wrote down a few things. One is that those who have been living in confusion, maybe even drifting off to other forms of the gospel, I want to pray for you this morning. Some of you, you've never accepted Jesus into your heart and life. And this morning, you're done trying to figure out your spiritual slavery on your own. And it's time for you to surrender to the Lord and say yes. Some of you, you've lost your joy like you started the race well but there's just been this drifting and you hear Jesus just calling you time to come back it's time to come back 
Some of you, the spirit that God has placed within you, he's speaking to you something about something that I have said nothing about, but you know you need to respond to him. And so whatever that is, would you open up your heart to the Lord and allow him to do what it is he wants to do in you? Let's pray together. God, you are good. We thank you that at just the right time you sent your son to buy back freedom for us who were caught in spiritual slavery. Lord, many of us have said yes to that that call, that invitation to join your family. Uh, Some of us, though, haven't. And we're here this morning. And we're stuck in the slavery that we're in and we want to be set free. We want to be spiritually alive. As we heard what Paul had to say to the people of Galatia, we want that for our life. And so right now, Lord, some of us are praying this prayer that says, Lord, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins and and my way of trying to figure it out. It hasn't been working. I've been trying, but it hasn't been working. And so today I give my life to you. I ask for you to be my Lord and my Savior. I ask for you to be my God because I can't figure it out on my own. I want to be a part of your family. I want to be adopted in. I want to be a part of what it is that you're doing. And so in this moment, right here, right now, I say yes to you and I choose you. Be my Lord and Savior and be my God. I choose life. I choose you. And if that's you this morning, know that Jesus' answer is yes. And even in this moment, he is placing his spirit within you. And I pray for my friends this morning, Lord, who have just drifted away from the joy that you have placed before them. I pray, God, that you would restore the joy of their salvation. They would be reminded of who it is that you've created them to be and that they would live into that. I pray, God, for those that are in this place that get, are just confused by all the different messages. I pray that you would continue to help them cut through all the noise of this world and they would be able to stand firm in the truth of who you are, that no other gospel would get to have their way, its way in their life except for your gospel and your truth. Lord, I pray for those in this place who are so desperately in need of taking in truth and standing firm in the truth. Help us to be that kind of people. We want to respond and say yes to you and what your spirit is doing in our lives. And so, Lord, whatever that is for every individual in this place, I pray that you would give us the courage to say yes to your calling. And so we lift ourselves up to you. We thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. It's the reason that we are alive today. Thank you for setting us free. We declare and we sing that your power, it will never lose its power. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh,